0: This is uh, Connor here, I'm one of the associate pastors at Heart of the City Church, and we just want to thank you again for joining with us uh, online this weekend. We're going to jump right into things. Uh, The first thing that I want to do before we jump into this week's sermon, obviously these are unprecedented times for our nation and our globe, and I want to read you a scripture, one that's been deep in my heart for a long time that um, God has continued to use to speak to me and encourage me in different seasons of life, and in this moment in time in particular, has been incredible, encouraging. it's John 16, verse 33. Many of you are familiar with the scripture. But it says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. To be honest, that uh, phrase take heart is not my favorite translation of it, although we've translated it. That word in the Greek is tharseo. And what that word means is to be of good courage. Jesus, our God and our Savior, knew that we would go through times like this. And he was so good to us and he is so good to us. he said, you'll have times like these, times of trouble. And I don't want to exaggerate it too much because I don't need to, but we are in a time of trouble. But we can be of good courage. As Romans 8 says, the same spirit that lives in Jesus that raised Christ from the dead. It lives in you and I. We have the spirit just in the same way that Jesus overcame the world to do everything we can with all that's in in us in this time in history to be of good courage and to overcome the world. We are followers of Jesus and the way of Jesus in the time of crisis is the way of courage. And that's who we're gonna be. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how long it takes, we're going to be people of good courage. Amen? Amen. We're going to jump right into this week's sermon. If you're taking notes, uh, you can write down the title, Time to Go to Work. Time to Go to Work. And if that feels ironic right now, uh, we will unpack what that means. And I think by the end of this, you'll be uh, full of courage as to what that really means time to go to work. We're in a series called The Art of Being Human. Just a real quick recap. recap. In week one, Craig talked about um, uh, this idea of it's enough. And we see this rhythm early on in the scriptures in Genesis chapter one that God created, God created, God created, then he rested. And he knew when it was enough. He knew when it was time to stop. And we all need a time to stop. And even in some ways we're forced into that in this moment in time. But we have to know when it's enough. And then in a real progression with this idea that it's enough, Pastor J.O. picked up last week and he talked about resting. And he invited us into the rest of Jesus. And it's a beautiful time. This week, in this idea of what it means to be human, we're going to look at the idea of uh, what it means to be a worker, to work, a good theology of work. What I want to do is start with um, a baseline. We're going to read in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. Uh, I'm going to read from the ESV. This is what it says. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and it was void. A darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Two things quickly as we start. This is the baseline for our conversation tonight. Genesis 1. This word without form in the Hebrew is Tohu. And tohu really means uh, empty, it means darkness, it means chaotic. And that second word that we see as void is the word bohu, tohu and bohu. And that word really in its, uh, in its unpacking means emptiness, it means a void, it means a wasteland. And what we see here in Genesis 1 through 3 is we see our God, the creator of the universe, he hovers, he's present over the chaos, he's present over the waste of the world that's without form yet. And he breathes into it, he speaks into it, he takes that chaos and he makes order, he makes life. And the first thing I have for you, especially uh, before we really get into some of the practical things about work and what it means to work in uh, the kingdom of God, the very first thing that we have to see, kind of as an overarching thought, is that we, like, like our creator, are people, since we are created in his image, in his likeness, and we'll get to that as well. We are people like our god who see chaos and recognize the chaos for what it is and believe and hope and pray and act and ask god what it would look like for that chaos to come in to order above all the practical things that we'll talk about regarding work, the thing that we have to understand at the core of who we are, especially in this moment in time, March of 2020, with COVID-19 running uh, wild through the earth, and the chaos that it is, is that we are people who see it for what it is, and are not panicked by it, or not scared by it, or not made afraid by it, although we are humble to what it is chaos, wasteland, but we see and we ask God, God, what are you doing in the earth as you hover over it? Because we do believe that regardless of what's going on right now, that God is hovering over it. And we ask God, God, what is it that you're doing? And we wait for him as he hovers to bring order to the chaos that is. So as we're going through this time, because it's a unique time to be talking about a theology of work, and I want to be sensitive to that. I want to be um, relative to this moment, the reality is, is regardless of the tasks and the responsibilities and the titles of our day in and day at work that we may have or might be in question here, and we'll talk about that, we have to understand that regardless of what our work is, we are people who see chaos and believe that God is bringing it into order. We see wastelands, we see death, and we, bring, we believe that God is bringing and creating life. The second thing that we uh, on kind of an overarching level that I want to get to. And we see this in Genesis 1, verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. First thing, uh, what we see here in Genesis 1 verse 26, we see this idea that we were created in the image of God, the likeness of God. This is a really peculiar and and important thing to stop on and to think about. In the ancient eastern world, uh, the only people who believed that they were created in the image of God and the likeness of God were the pharaohs and the kings. Amen Ra, who was the Pharaoh at the time of Egypt, himself, Aman Ra, means to be created in the image of Ra, the sun god. And what we see in our creation narrative is this subversive uh, presentation and truth that it's not just the pharaohs and the kings who are created in the image of God and have that authority where everyone else is suppressed to be not created in the image of God and under the slavery and the imprisonment of that king or that pharaoh but for you and I what we believe our creation narrative says is that all of us all men all women were created in the image and the likeness of God therefore we have the authority of Royalty. We have to understand that that's some of the best news in the world, especially right now. That you and I, no matter where you're at today, no matter what home you sit in or what your situation looks like, although those things are real, I want to be humble to those things. I'm not saying that that initially feels good or whatever it might be, but what we believe on a foundational level, on an overarching level, is that we are those Who are created in the image of God. Kings and queens. And what we see, what we see, I'm writing royal identity here. What we see in Genesis 1, verse 26, is that we were created to rule to rule. It says dominion, uh, if you're reading the ESV or, or a more modern translation, it says dominion, but that word dominion is the word rada. And the word rada really means to rule. Again, it's language of royalty. What we have to understand again, we're going to, as this progresses down, uh, we're going to look at some more practical things about work on a really, really ground level, but on a, on a, a bigger level we have to understand that we're people who, who see chaos and we, we believe that God is bringing order. We see death and we believe that God is bringing life. And we are the ones who partner with him, created in his image and his likeness, all of us equally, different but equal. And we have the authority over the earth to partner with God to bring, to bring order from chaos, to bring life from death. Are you with me? I hope so, there's no one in this room right now, so I'm going to trust that you said on the other side of that camera that you're with me. Genesis 2, moving on. First thing, chaos to order. Chaos to order. Death to life. The second thing, royal identity. We're going to move on. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. I apologize for having my back on you. Just doing my best. Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 15. Genesis 2, 1 through 15. This is what it said. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Back to again, what Craig said in week one, God knew when it was time to say enough. He knew when to rest. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth and they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the land had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed it into his nostrils the breath of life, in uh, the famous words of our fearless pastor, we're all dirt bags. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God created, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now listen to these following verses. And a river flowed out of the Eden to the water, to water the garden. And there it divided and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first was the Pishon. And it was one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah. And there, and where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. In my opinion, all gold is good. Delium and the onyx of Son are there. And the name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed from the whole land of Cush. And the name of the river is the third, the Tigris, which flows of the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, a couple things going on right here. Verse 1 through 14. What I really want, especially verses 10 through 14, what uh, for you to look at and take notice of is we see this very natural, raw world. And then we see in 15 that God has put us in this natural, raw world to work it and keep it. What God is trying to get us to understand is that, again, we are people put in this world to rule and to reign, to have authority over the raw natural world, to work it and keep it. We take raw things and we bring structure and life and goodness and meaning to them. If you're a parent, you, you brought a human being into this world to work them and keep them. And I'm going to unpack what that means to work and keep here just in a minute. But you took something raw, something that was undeveloped, something that was infant in its being. And you did the work of God. You nurtured them and, and, and raised them and gave them uh, understanding as what it, in terms of what it means to be human. To be created in the image of God. To be all that God has created them to be. That is what it means to work. If you're a craftsman or a tradesman, you've been given raw materials. And you take pieces of wood and pieces of metal and pieces of cloth. And uh, if you're a digital tradesman or craftsman, you take the world that is technology and the internet. And you take all these things that are chaotic even in some ways. And you bring order. You bring life. you You bring beauty to them. So God is trying to get us to understand here in Genesis 2, 1 through 15 is we were put in this earth to take the raw world, the wild world, the chaotic world and bring beauty and life life to it, to work it and keep it. Work it. This word is avad in the Hebrew. It means to work, to labor, to be of service to someone. The reality is, is that in all work, we're of service to someone. And what I really want to hit home with you tonight, especially because um, the work that you may, you may do, and this is getting really, really pr- practical, but is progressing off our higher views in terms of bringing order order from chaos and having a royal identity but the work that you might do might uh, for you seem insignificant or not important might not be culturally celebrated and you might even have a boss over you that gives you tasks and a title and cuts you a check that you may not really like or whatever it might be and what what we see here with this word work in verse 15 this word avad what we see from the context of Genesis is that God put us into this earth to serve him. In him alone. In Colossians 3 verse 24, uh, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now, we work under men and women and we do our best to be obedient to them. But our, our attitude and our posture is not that we're serving them, although we're doing everything we can to be faithful to them. But in our faithfulness to them, in our obedience to them, even though it may not feel like we want it to feel or be all that we dreamt it to be. And that's the reality for a lot of us. Is that we, when we're working, we are serving and honoring and worshiping God. Now, a challenging pastoral moment tonight. As you do your work, whatever it is that you do, is your attitude as you're doing it. Not that I'm just serving my boss. Not that I'm just fulfilling a duty or an obligation. But do you, do you reflect on this opportunity that you have? To take the raw world that is around you, even the chaotic world, the wild world that it might be. And you recognize deep inside of you, I have this incredible opportunity, even if it hurts and even if it's hard, to serve and honor and worship God. Because the reality is, is that God put us into this world. This is all pre-fall. To work it and keep it. It is a blessing to serve God and to be responsible with the raw world that he's given us and to work it. To bring causation, to bring action, to bring form to it. Work it, Abad. Number two, second point in verse 15. So we see uh, that God has given us this raw world to work it, but we also see this second part, to keep it. And this word in the Hebrew is shamar. It means to keep to guard, to observe. And what the Hebrews would really, the, the Jews and the Hebrew mind, what it would really be thinking is it, it hears this idea that God has put us into this world, the raw world, the chaotic world, the, wide, the wild world, to um, work it and keep it. The idea is that we would take and be responsible with what God has given us, to guard it and protect it, to keep it in its original, created shape and form and intention what this really means is to be people who as we're working and as we're living and as we're existing that we recognize the good things that God has put in the earth and there's this deep conviction inside of us that that thing is good and it's from God and it's my great responsibility to preserve it and protect it and guard it and keep it for what it is and all of us had that opportunity. Again, no matter what your job title is, no matter how many hours you work, no matter what you get compensated for, it, the all that is in the earth is God's. And it is our responsibility, is our opportunity to be the guardsmen, to be the keepers, to be the observers, to be the protectors, the curators, the historians, so to speak, who see the good things around us from God. And we honor them, we keep them, we protect them, we keep their integrity. What an opportunity that is. As you think about your job right now in this moment, I encourage you to reflect on your attitude of service. Are you working it? You have that opportunity. And I know, again, it's hard sometimes. Service is hard and sometimes to serve people is hard. Think about the life of Jesus. A lot of the times he was serving and he was working. And I can imagine, and we even see it in the moments that we do get to see that it was not easy, but it was his great honor and his great privilege to serve. And then we also see him protect and keep and preserve. And this is what it means to work. Why is this so important? Let me read you another scripture, jumping ahead, where in the beginning of the scriptures, we're going to jump ahead all the way to the end, Revelation 22, verse 1 through 5. This is John's vision, his revelation, of the new heavens and the new earth. This is what the Apostle John wrote. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Uh, as we read this, pay attention to this language. I think you'll see real direct parallels from Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, there's a physical natural world. Also, on the either side of the river, we see these rivers again. We, see, we saw that in Genesis 2. And the tree of life, this is Genesis language, with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. Then the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his servants, his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And the night will be no more. There will be, they will need no light of the lamp or the sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Now that in and of itself is really, really good news in a lot of ways. But again, reflect back on Genesis 2, you see the language of the river and the tree and you see uh, God there present with them. And even this idea that his name is on our foreheads, there's this reflection that's happening, this image, this likeness. But it says that we are his servants, Just like in Genesis 2, again, that word avod to work, is this idea of servanthood. We are his servants in heaven, in the new heavens, in the new earth, the world that is perfect, the world that is without sin, the world that we're desperately longing and waiting for. We are his servants even in that world, in that reality, and we're worshiping him. My point in bringing that to you, is to remind you and to, to hopefully bring uh, fresh understanding to you that work is not just this cursed thing that we do right now as we're waiting for heaven, but we were created for this, to serve God and to worship him. And in this life, work feels cursed sometimes. We see that, we see the fall. You can go back to Genesis 3. You can see the curse that is on work, but work is not a curse. Work was, the idea of serving God and worshiping him was before sin entered the earth. And it was a blessing. And it will one day again be a great blessing. It will be who we are. It is what it means to be human, to serve God and to worship him. So as you're working, no matter what it is in terms of task again or what title is given to you or whether people really, really like your work and approve of it or criticize you for it, whatever it might be, my prayer for you is that something would go deep down inside of you that through all of that, there would be this thing inside of you where your attitude is, God, I get to serve you and worship you with all that I am and all that I do. And the second reason why this is important to reflect on. Work and for us to, in this moment, create a good theology and understanding of work is because of this eighty nine thousand four hundred and forty. 89,440. I'll say it one more time. 89,440. 89,440 is the amount of hours you would work in a 43-year work career if you worked 40 hours a week. Now, if you work, that's just on average. We say that 40 hours is a normal work week. Uh, if we're being honest, for most of us, it's, it's much more than that. So let's just say you were working 50 hours a week for 43 years. You would work 111,800 hours. Let's say you work 60 hours a week for 52 weeks a year for 43 years. You would work 134,000 160 hours. Now to put this in perspective, uh, I calculated if you were to come to church and you were to sit in an hour let's say a two-hour gathering start to finish and then you were to serve in another two-hour gathering. We have this hope for our community that we would be people who we sit one, we sit and we worship and we uh, listen to the scriptures and we sing songs to God. And then in the same day, if we can, if we have the space and the ability that we would serve one as well. So let's say you're here for four hours, for 52 weekends a year, for 43 years, that would be 8,000. Nine hundred and forty-four hours. 8,944 hours. Thanks, Nate. So again, just to, to, to paint this picture, on average, if you work 40 hours a week, 40 hours a week, for 43 years, you're going to work 89,000. You're going to spend 89,440 hours in the workplace, in a building, at a desk, serving people, doing tasks, whatever it might be. If you're really, really diligent and faithful with your service and your church attendance, you're going to spend... You're going to spend... I'm going to write it small because it's way smaller than this. You're going to spend 8,000... 944 hours at church over a 43-year period. The discrepancy between these two is so drastic. Work, your job, and that could be at a nine to five, that could be as a freelancer, that could be as a mom or a dad full-time. Church, service, and worship. The reason why I say that is so often we think that, and I don't know if it's anybody's fault in particular, but in our culture, when we think about our worship to God, we think about this and these hours. And what I want to say to you tonight and today Is that this, your work, the time you spend in the office, the time you spend with your kids, the time you spend serving and volunteering, pretty much everything that you spend other than your sleeping hours outside of this is your worship as well. And I hope that there's this paradigm shift. This is super important. This is part of our role and our commitment and our responsibility to community in terms of our church family. But our work is our worship to God. And I would put before you that what you do in these 89,440 or more hours truly reveals what you believe deep down in your heart, who your God is and what he's worthy of. My hope and my prayer for our community, my hope and my prayer for myself is that I would work in such a way over these. And this is just assuming that this is a nine to five, a 40 hour a week job. This isn't including your parenting. This isn't including your volunteer stuff. There's so much more that goes into this. But my hope is, is that this time, this work, this 89,440 would be like it says in Genesis 2,15. It would be this working and this keeping where we have this deep conviction in our hearts that we're serving and worshiping God and we're doing it in such a way to preserve and keep the good things that God has created and intended for our earth what does this look like for you and is that your conviction deep 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 down inside of you and let me reiterate this point I I didn't say it directly yet um, but let me put it out directly Work, whatever happens in this time, whether it's more than this 89,440 or it's maybe less or whatever it might be, but the time that you spend working, the time that you spend serving, the time that you spend laboring, the time that you spend creating to provide is not a curse. It's a blessing. and It's not an obligation It's an opportunity to worship God and to keep and to preserve the good things that he's given us in this world. A couple uh, perspective things as we move forward and then we'll bring this to a conclusion. One, I wanna hit back um, on this idea of service. Work is service. Our work is service. This is gonna be really important for us to grasp here in this time, in this moment. With everything that's going on in our country and in our world right now, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the future. And uh, your work in terms of your nine to five and the thing that provides a paycheck for you, and I don't say this to put panic or anxiety in you, quite the opposite. I say this to give you great courage, but that could be lingering in balance, You may not have the work you thought you once had. And I'm not speaking that over anybody, but we have to be honest, that may be the reality. And regardless of whether we have our nine to five job and we have our paycheck or whatever it might be, we always have an opportunity to serve. And hopefully on our best days, and the best ways, our work, our nine to five, the thing we're compensated for is service. It's, it's worship, it's honor to God and it's a service to others to uh, encourage them, to equip them, to build them up, to bring uh, great fruit to their life, so to speak, to make their world better, to make them better understand who God is and the, the image that he created them in. But if your work is in jeopardy, there's still going to be an incredible opportunity to serve. And you may not get compensated for it. You may not get celebrated for it in the way that we often want to be. But now more than ever, We are to be, regardless of what our work looks like, we are to be people who are not just looking for tasks and titles and responsibilities and nine to fives and certain compensation. We are to be people who recognize that I am created in the image of God. It is my great responsibility and my honor to recognize chaos and ask God how he's bringing order to it and do everything I can to partner with him in service to bring life into that chaos. The second thing is mastery. You've maybe heard it said to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Well, the quote is actually wrong. The quote is that we would be a jack of all trades and a master of one. There's this idea in the Hebrew language, and we see this in the Greek language in the scriptures, uh, that we would bring glory to God. And that word glory in the Hebrew is the word kavod. And the, the real meaning and understanding of the word kavod, the idea of God's glory, is that it's heavy, it's weighty, it brings awe to us, it provokes something inside of us that's just stunned by what lies before us. I think about Craig, um, two weeks ago he had the picture of uh, the David sculpture. And like he said, he, he didn't think a sculpture a monument like that could ever provoke awe inside of him. But once he got there, once he got in front of it, it provoked awe and wonder inside of him. He was stopped in his tracks as he looked at it because of its beauty. And we are to be people who do the same thing. You may be a server in a restaurant. You could be uh, a a marketer. You could be a tradesman. You could be a mom or a dad, whatever it might be. I, I really am not concerned with what your work is, as long as it's moral. But let me encourage you. Focus in and commit to it. And commit to the process of mastery. Be the best that you can for as long as you can. And and what I'm I'm hoping to encourage you with is that if you'll take on that process of mastery, because the process of mastery is hard, it's going to be times of trial and error. It's going to take a long time. You're not going to be a master overnight. But when you think about the things that people have mastered in this world, And each and every one of us, when we see that mastery, it provokes awe inside of us. And what God is trying to do through us as his people is make us masters of things. Big things, little things, super significant things, things that are insignificant that people don't ever see or may never see or may never give us credit for. Whatever it is, whatever God has put before you, the raw world that he's put before you, may you become a master of it. May it provoke the kavod, the glory of God. I believe that if you'll do that, that one day you'll go before God and He'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll be satisfied now and then with your work. And then the third thing I wrote this down as my third kind of perspective point it all matters. All work matters some of you sitting on the other side of that camera and screen who work jobs that you think are insignificant, that are low on the totem pole, that you don't really like, you have dreams inside of you you wish you could do something else. Maybe you're a waiter, maybe you're a laborer, maybe you're a a government worker. Maybe your job is, you know, you're a dumpster driver you're a, whatever it might be it's dirty it's messy it makes you smell your work matters it matters to God it matters to us and I want you to know that I need you to hear that from the bottom of my heart. I often think about I go to restaurants and, and I see garbage trucks drive by and I see all these different things and I see the people who are out there laboring and serving. And I often think to myself, I'm so lucky I get to do what I get to do and I get to do what I get to do which in a lot of ways is very privileged and very luxurious, and I say that humbly, but I get, to, I get to be who God has created me to be because you have embraced, whether you've liked it or not, who God has created you to be, and you've been faithful with working the work and the job and the labor that he has given you. And as someone who's got to serve in vocational ministry and who's going out into the business world, I just want to say thank you to you and to say your work matters. Whether you're waiting tables or digging ditches or whatever it may be, this is what it says in Psalms 24, Psalm 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If there is dirt under your feet and people around you and a shovel in your hand or whatever it may be, that earth, that space is the Lord's and you are his. You have a royal identity. You have authority and you get to work it and you get to keep it. And I just want to encourage you, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how thankless it gets at times, maybe you will never be rich as a result of it. Your work matters. And it's important to God. And you get to partner with him just like anyone else to play a a part and a role in restoring and redeeming creation. In conclusion, and just to bring this all up to a wrap, the title of this message is "Time to Go to Work." And again, ironically, uh, when when you're streaming this, your work may be in question, but that doesn't mean it's not time to go to work. To share with you a little bit from where I'm at in my journey. Uh, this is my last weekend as a staff pastor at Heart of the City Church. Some of you know that, maybe some of you don't, but we announced two months ago now or, or a little over a month ago that, um, that I had my wife and I had made a decision that it was time to transition and uh, for me to work on the business that I started a couple years ago and to, to go all in on that. And as it sits today, that in a lot of ways is is in, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that. But I stand here before you as someone who is very much in, uh, if you're sitting there and you're wondering if your work is going to be there when you get to, to your workplace on Monday or a couple weeks from now, whatever it might be, maybe you're a small business owner or your industry has been thriving, but now it, it seems... Um, in question, that there's work for you to do. I believe without a shadow of a doubt in my heart, no matter what uh, my title is, no matter what my job is, no matter what compensation I have, that I was created in the image of God. And there's no crisis that's gonna hold me down. There's no crisis that's gonna deter me that I'm going to step into the fullness of what God has for me as a server and a worshiper. And I'll put my hands to whatever raw, material, natural world I can. And I'll do everything I can to bring beauty and life in order to it. And right now in this time, uh, things might look pretty different in the future. And, and we don't know exactly what it looks like. And I'm, I'm here to, I don't want you to speculate too much but I would pray that you would do this, that you would sit and you would reflect and you would dig down deep And you would make a commitment in your heart, no matter what lies before me, that I will serve and I will worship and I will get up because there's work to be done. And I get to partner with God to bring order from chaos, to bring life from death, to take the raw material world. Hey, our raw material world is going to look different. Like I said, I've said that many times now. I don't need to say it again. But we get to We get to work it and keep it. We get to serve and guard and preserve the good things that God has put in the earth. And there are still really, really good things in this earth that need to be kept and preserved. And we have an incredible opportunity now to do that. But it's gonna take vulnerability. It's gonna take a certain level of surrender. It's going to take each and every one of us, one leaning into each other, but even more than that, leaning into God and trusting in Him. And if you're sitting on the other side of that screen and that camera, I want to give you an invitation right here in this moment. This is my altar call to you. Especially if you're in the middle of crisis right now, whether that's in your body or in your mind or uh, you have all this worry and panic and fear, over your business but especially if you're on that other side of that screen and you you tuned in tonight not a believer in Jesus or maybe you once were but you've gone really really far but you sense God even in your home right now stirring something inside of you not because I'm an eloquent speaker or the music or anything but you sense deep 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 down inside of you, that even in the midst of this chaos and this crisis and just where we're at as a people in this world today, you sense God that he is good, that he's wanting to bring order, that he's wanting to bring life and you need to surrender to him. If that's you today, One, I just want to encourage you this. Make that decision, make that commitment. That's not just coincidental. That's not just these feelings or these emotions. I believe that the Spirit of God, in the same way that we saw the Spirit of God hovering over the deepness, over the void, over the tohu and the bohu in Genesis 1, God is hovering over you today to heal you, to save you from crisis and chaos, to bring order in life. And if that's you, one, I'm going to pray for you. But even more than that, I so encourage you right now in this time respond to God's hovering, respond to God's presence. He wants to pull you out, and all you got to say is, God, I surrender. You can pull me out, you can take me, you can bring order to my chaos, you can bring life to my death. Make that commitment. I want to pray for you right now if that's you, God. We pray that even in their home right now, wherever they're watching this, that your spirit and your presence would be with them. We pray that you bless them now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would begin to bring life, that you'd bring to, begin to bring energy to their body. You'd bring begin to bring joy and hope that it would just begin to well up in their soul. I pray for their mind, God, that they'd just see things differently even now that their perspectives and their paradigms on the world would just begin to shift. We pray uh, for their soul, for their heart, things that they have been uh, maybe, things that have been wounds and scars and just pain and brokenness. I I pray that you bring comfort and healing to them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If that's you, what I'm hoping you're recognizing and what I'm, again, what I'm inviting in you into just to make it clear uh, is if you've been living your own life, going your own way as your own God, that you would say, this is not the way for me. This is chaos. But I'm ready to, if you're going this way, your own way, your own life, your own God, I'm ready to turn to God and walk in the life that he has for me. If that's you and I was just praying for you and you just received that prayer and and you're making that commitment, that decision to turn. The word that we use in in the Christian world and in the church is repent. but It's really just turning from your way to God's way. If that's you, uh, there's going to be something that pops up on your screen. It says uh, amen at the heart CDA. Because we're not in person this weekend, we want to still be able to create a space for you to take a next step so we can help you walk in this new life that God has for you, to go from chaos to order, from death to life. So if that's you, and whatever it might be, if anything, maybe you have a prayer request, but especially if you're here and you, tu- you, tu- you tuned in and you, pr- you feel like God is prompting you to change, to turn, to go from chaos to order, from death to life, please email us, give us your name, tell us your story, give us your contact information. We wanna help you. Take the next step. You're going to need community. You're going to need a group of people who are going to cheer you on, who are going to listen to you, who are going to talk with you, to process with you, all those things. We want to be those people for you. We love you sincerely. We really, really do. And we're so excited for what God is doing in your life. Last thing, just in closing, to Heart of the City Church. Number one, may we be people of great courage in this time. Incredible courage. Right now, in some ways, that means uh, being courageous enough to to stay in, to slow down, and to isolate in some ways. But we're doing that because we believe it's the wise thing. We believe that it's the loving thing. But whatever it might be, because that time will pass and then we're going to be... We're gonna to need to be incredibly courageous to do other things, but regardless of whatever, whatever it may be, I just pray a spirit of courage to you now that God's courage and his strength and his fire would begin to, uh, begin to burn deeply inside of you. And the second thing, may we be a people of peace. One of my favorite thoughts, I write it in the top of my journal almost daily, is to be a non-anxious presence. The world is freaking out right now and rightfully so in some ways. But we believe that God is above it all. We believe that he's aware, that he's hovering over it and he's waiting to bring order. He's waiting to bring life again. And it's going to happen through the peace within us, the peace that we have because of that. That peace is going to position us in such a way where we can act and we can operate in faith and wisdom to partner with God to restore and redeem our earth. And the third thing is this. May we be people who see chaos and we ask God to show us the order. May we be people who see death and darkness and we ask God to show us the light. And may we be people when he does that we act and we obey faithfully and responsibly. One thought that I'll leave you with and then I'll let you go had this thought for about two years now and I feel like it's timely for this moment that we would do what we can with what we have in light of who we are. All you have is what you have right now. And right now this moment is all that we have. And we are who we are. And you may, you do have a name and you have a title and you have all these things, but above all of that, you are royalty. You're a man or a woman created in the image of God and God has given you authority to rule and reign and work and keep the earth. So peace and courage to you. Do what you can with what you have in light of who you are. God's going to turn all this for good. He's going to work it out. We can be of great courage. Peace to you. In Jesus' name.